Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Today we are looking at the story of the rich man and Lazarus found in Luke chapter 16. It's one of the parables of Jesus that makes us sit up and think about how we are living our lives. In just a moment we'll look at the story, but before we do, listen to some music that I hope will nourish your spirit and direct your thoughts to God. Our scripture today is Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. Now there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. At his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores. He desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. 
And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham answered, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Jesus was a master storyteller and often spoke in parables when he taught the people. That is because the parables of Jesus take us to the core of his mind. We discover what life in the reign of God is like by listening to Jesus' parables. Some parables and parabolic images are quite comforting, like the parable of the prodigal son which reveals God's great love and mercy towards sinners. But other parables are quite disturbing, calling us to radical change and repentance, warning us that we may be missing the point of life and need to get on the right course before time runs out. I want to begin the sermon today by retelling the parable in Luke chapter 16 in a contemporary mode. There was once a handsome couple living in Palo Alto who decided to go out for dinner to celebrate their relationship. It was summertime, and the man was dressed in very elegant clothes. He had on a new light wool suit with a hint of purple to it, a dark purple tie, and new custom leather shoes. He looked smashing. So did his wife. She had on an elegant dress, light purple in color, accenting his suit. She had on a dark purple-colored scarf which flowed gracefully across her shoulders. They sat at a table with a dark purple linen tablecloth, and they had light purple accented napkins. Very elegant, very beautiful. The long, slim menu was gracefully brought to them, and the couple chose king crab legs with lobster tails on the side. They had drinks, fresh salmon and spinach salad, and a gourmet appetizer. When the meal came, they would dip the crab and lobster into pools of lemon butter. As the butter dripped down their chins, they would wipe their faces with the purple napkins. After the meal, a spectacular, one would call it rather sinful dessert, was served. A final coffee concluded the meal, and the bill was paid with a generous tip. Now the couple strolls arm in arm along the wharf, enjoying the twilight. They want to walk off all they have eaten as they are stuffed and feeling bloated. Suddenly, right in front of them appears an old man, sitting on the bench near the sidewalk. They are only twelve feet from him, but the husband whispers to his wife, It's all right, dear. We're safe. 
It's not dark. He's alone and old. She whispers to him, What a poor beggar, a pitiful piece of humanity. Look at his old rags for a coat, his worn-out shoes, and the dirt, the smell. The couple did not flinch, but with eyes straight ahead walked right past the old beggar as if he didn't exist. He mumbled as they walked by, Got any spare change for someone like me? The rich man magnanimously said, Well, yes, I do, reached into his right pocket and dropped 50 cents change into the man's hand, careful not to touch him. Then the husband asks, And what is your name? To which the poor beggar replies, Lazarus, my name is Lazarus. God bless you. The rich man, walking away, said, May God bless you too, Lazarus. As the man and woman continue their stroll, walking off their expensive meal, they feel very good about themselves. They are happily satisfied about their food and about their encounter with the beggar. They feel good that they have been so generous to one who was so destitute. On their way home, the man and woman are killed in a tragic car accident and find themselves in hell with flames of fire and scorching heat. The rich man still wears his purple light wool suit and new shoes, even though the heat is overwhelming. In his agony, he looks upward and sees the beggar Lazarus in heaven with Father Abraham. He says, Father Abraham, Please tell Lazarus to dip his finger in water and touch my dried tongue. I am perishing in this torment. Father Abraham shouts back, Sorry, I can't do that. There is an enormous chasm between us. We can't get over there, and you can't get over to here. The rich man starts to think about his five brothers and sisters living back on earth and thinks to himself, I don't want my family to end up here. So he shouts again, Abraham, do me a favor. Send Lazarus the beggar back to my brothers and sisters and tell them that they better take care of the poor, hungry, and starving, or they will end up like me in hell. Abraham calls back, Your brothers and sisters have the Bible. They have the words of the Old Testament and the words of the Lord Jesus in the New Testament. They know what to do. Even a man who was raised from the dead wouldn't scare them into doing what they already know needs to be done. In my modern story, giving Lazarus 50 cents was an insult to the poor beggar. It did nothing to address his real need. Be careful of this kind of gratuitous giving that doesn't come from the heart. In our Gospel reading in Luke chapter 16, we find the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, which roughly parallels my little story of the rich husband and wife. This story, as Jesus tells it, is a play with two acts. In Act 1, we find a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen living in luxury every day, verse 19. The phrases, dressed in purple and living in luxury, mean that the rich man wasn't just prosperous or well-off. He was enormously wealthy and lived like a king. He was the Bible time equivalent of a Bill Gates at $96 billion 
Warren Buffett at $82 billion, or Mark Zuckerberg at $62 billion. The rich man wore the finest clothes. He had a luxurious mansion of a home with exquisite furnishings. He was waited upon hand and foot by numerous servants. He never once knew physical hunger or want and could have anything he desired. He was well-fed and fully satisfied. At the door of his mansion was a beggar named Lazarus. He laid his malnourished body at the rich man's gate every morning, gazing at the mansion and gardens within. The rich man came and went, ate and drank, entertained and held his parties, while Lazarus wasted away due to hunger. He was covered with sores and longed to eat what fell from the rich man's table. In Act 2 of the story, Jesus tells us that both Lazarus and the rich man died. Lazarus was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man, on the other hand, ended up in the torments of hell, where he begged for even one drop of water to cool his tongue. This is a complete reversal of fortune. As Abraham says in verse 25, Son, Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Why are the tables turned for Lazarus and the rich man? Jesus wants to make the point that the rich man was selfish and uncaring. He was self-absorbed in his riches and luxuries and did not notice Lazarus in his need. Even the dogs showed more love and concern for poor Lazarus than the rich man. At least they came and licked his sores and eased his discomfort. But the rich man did his best each day to ignore the pleas, the stares, and the hunger of Lazarus. He didn't even give Lazarus the leftover scraps from his table at the end of the meal. The rich man ended up in the fires of hell because his greed and lack of love for Lazarus marked him as a man outside of God's grace. By his indifference to the poor and needy, he demonstrated that he was a man outside of the covenant of God and without faith. That's the negative message Jesus wants to bring by means of this parable. But there's also a positive message. If those without the love of God end up in hell, then those with the love of Christ in their hearts end up in heaven. Of course, they don't receive the gift of heaven because of their compassion, for no one can ever earn their way into the presence of God. Rather, they are in heaven because the love in their hearts reveals them to be true Christ followers. It reveals that they are members of God's family within the covenant and a recipient of God's grace. Those without love are without grace, and they discover their eternal destiny in hell. Those with love are full of grace and discover their eternal destiny in heaven. That's why Jesus said that the world will be able to recognize Christians by their love. Love shows the presence of grace and faith. Generosity of spirit indicates a close walk with God. 
are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson, bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Let's continue our lesson. First, the purpose of this parable is not to describe the furniture of heaven and the temperature of hell. Nor does the parable teach that all rich people go to hell while all poor people go to heaven. There will be many wealthy people in heaven and many poor in hell. Father Abraham was enormously wealthy. King David was very rich and King Solomon was the richest man on earth and all of these men are in heaven. Nor is the purpose of this parable to condemn the super-rich of our world, the Bill Gates, the Warren Buffetts, the Mark Zuckerbergs, or the wealthy movie stars of Hollywood. Our tendency is to want this parable to be about them rather than about us, because they're the ones who should be giving all their money to the poor. But friends, this parable is about you and me. It is about each of us regardless of our level of income and prosperity. Jesus is warning all of us not to be indifferent to the needs of others, not to ignore the poor and needy. There will be a day at the end of history when God asks each of us, What did you do for Lazarus? When we are asked that question, hopefully we will not say, Oh, I gave him some crumbs from my table. Let's make some applications of this parable to our experience. First, what we do in this life determines our eternal destiny. Every day that the rich man walked past Lazarus with indifference, he was assuring himself a place in hell. Every time Lazarus, in his poverty, committed his soul to the Lord and forgave the rich man for his self-indulgence, he was building for himself a mansion in heaven. By his trust in God and his Christ-like character, Lazarus was piling up more good deeds to bring with him at his entrance into glory. Notice that the sin of the rich man was not the sin of commission, but of omission. It is what he didn't do that brought him punishment. The rich man simply didn't notice Lazarus at his gate. Perhaps he thought to himself, There will always be the rich, and there will always be the poor. There will always be the wealthy, and always be the starving. It's not my fault that I was born wealthy. Many today throughout the world think the same thing. Poverty is inevitable. Some people have wealth and others are poor. I've got it good, too bad for them. Such sentiments Jesus brushes quickly aside. He asks, are you a good steward of the wealth I have loaned to you? 
whatever your level of income and material blessings, what are you doing for Lazarus? This parable also helps to clarify the connection between belief and behavior. Sometimes Christians, in their well-intentioned desire to defend the idea of salvation by grace through faith, mistakenly create a false dichotomy between belief and behavior which God never intended. We are what we habitually do, not what we habitually say. If I say I am a Christian, but never live as Jesus lived or love as Jesus loved, am I not deceived? James chapter 2, 14 says, What use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Then Revelation 14.13 says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, for their deeds follow with them. Every act of love and service done on earth will be carried with us and rewarded in heaven. Revelation 4.10 says that we will cast our crowns before the Lord and worship Him. God loves us so much that while we are on earth, he gives us the privilege of doing good deeds. He performs works of mercy, kindness, and service through us. It is all by the Holy Spirit, and we cannot claim even a little finger's worth of credit, praise, or boasting. Then, as we enter into the glory of heaven, God gives us crowns representing the sum total of our good works done on the earth. We walk forward towards the throne of God Almighty, fall prostrate on our faces, and cast our crowns at His feet in an act of solemn worship. It is incredible that God admits rebellious sinners into His heaven through the righteousness of Christ. It is perhaps even more astounding that God, the prime agent in all good works, would in kindness ascribe causality of good works to his children so that they may have the gift of crowns to give back to him. As Paul says in Romans 11, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. God generously ascribes causality of good works to us even though every good deed we perform is all of his grace and by his power. Why? so that in the end of all things, God receives all glory, honor, and praise. We fully realize life is not about me. It is about God. It is about our Heavenly Father receiving all the glory, praise, and boasting that we as His creation can possibly muster. Some of you are very generous in your tithing and giving to the work of God's kingdom. Thank you for being good stewards and generous partners in gospel ministry. It is because of your faithful and regular giving that God's work is flourishing in many parts of the world. 
In closing, I found it instructive to learn that God used the parable of the rich man and Lazarus to change the life of Dr. Albert Schweitzer. Dr. Albert Schweitzer was a man from England who was enormously gifted in music, medicine, and theology. He was a prodigy, brilliantly talented, who could do almost everything and anything. One day, Schweitzer came to church and heard a sermon preached about the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. His life was forever changed. For him, the rich man was Europe, the poor man was Africa, and he knew that he had to give his life to the people of Africa so that they would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and believe. Soon he left the safety of England for the unknowns of the heart of Africa. Albert Schweitzer gave his heart, soul, time, and abilities to serve the poorest of the poor. What is God saying to you through the parable of the rich man and Lazarus? What more can you do for the poor and needy of our world? How can you be a better steward of the gifts and resources God has entrusted to you so that the work of the gospel is spread throughout the world. Let's spend some time quietly asking God to reveal these answers to us. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This program, Exaltation, is designed to encourage you. Please get in touch with us by going to our website, and clicking on the contact link, contact at godetministries.org. We want to pray for you and support you in any way possible. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint.